Blog Talk Radio. Round one. Fight, 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 fight. Finally, 
So we'll talk about that new coaching hire. Certainly there's a lot of uh, craziness in the coaching carousel, if you will, going on. And uh, so we'll, we'll see uh, how all of that pans out. And with NFL, obviously NFL is, uh, well, I, I think uh, uh, the men have separated themselves from the boys, if you will, the good from the bad. I think we know the playoff picture. Maybe we don't know the order in which it's going to be at. I think we have a very clear sense of the direction of the AFC. Uh, certainly, uh, we, 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 we look at the NFC. It looks very, very clear there. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we'll be talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to be talking about the success of the Philadelphia Eagles and what they've got to do to drive this home. Certainly, looks like they've got an MVP-type caliber quarterback this year, Carson Wentz and certainly uh, one of those quarterbacks that, you know, they, they spent a lot of money, and I think that it just goes to show that these rookies take time to develop in, and so we'll, we'll see how that goes, and we'll be talking about some of the games of the week as 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 well. And uh, Mo for the BS Sports Show joins us later on in the last half hour. We BS about sports, maybe talk a little betting, uh, maybe talk a little, bit, a little bit about what's going on with the Supreme Court and uh, the the uh, live uh, betting uh, that was uh, being proposed in, in the Supreme Court this week. Uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. But nonetheless, you have arrived at the balance. My name is Saul Mark Wassell, Presidente. You'll pay homage to me for the next two hours. I am the sports authority for you for the next two hours right here on a Saturday morning. If it's snowing, enjoy it. Just stay inside. I'll get snowed in with my one to two inches. Well, that certainly came out wrong. That was unplanned. Anyway, my name's Tom Marquis, El Presidente. 917-889-8516 is my digits. And uh, let me just preface this. If my audio sounds a little bit different today, it's not you. You're not losing your mind. Uh, It is me. My Skype is acting up, and I just don't have the energy to work with it. So, you know, we're going nostalgic today on the show. We're going back with the old-fashioned way, going through what we call, it used to be, phone lines. <laughs> My name is Tom Mark, Michelle Presidente. 917-889-8516 is the digits. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. I, I just Trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. 
When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Bobby, you're here again. Yeah, my doctor told me to reduce stress at work, so I come to Buffalo Wild Wings to eat lunch and watch sports. I get to pick one of seven entrees, like sandwiches and salads, plus one of seven sides. Well, I like sides. It's so affordable, I can finally take a vacation. Where are you going to go? Here, Tim, here. Introducing the new Beat Up Fast Break Lunch Menu, starting at a new low price. Dine in or order takeout weekdays between 11 and 2. Participation and availability may vary. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. Like I mentioned earlier, the 2017 Army-Navy game is the 118th meeting between these two teams. We're going to break down the big game here. Tennessee has a new coach, finally. We'll be breaking down the college uh, coach game, uh, crazy game, if you will. And uh, NFL will be talking about the good, the bad, and uh, the ugly. Welcome aboard. It's Saturday morning. I tell you what, uh, so glad that you've joined us. Uh, this is the one place where fanatics can come together and talk about their favorite teams. The balance brings you an analytical uh, breakdown of sports from a fan's point of view. We bring you breaking news, commentary, scores, standings, and audio highlights. And, we, you know, we bring you great interviews. So I tell you what, this is the one place you don't want, you don't want, to, be, you don't want to miss. It does not get any better than this on a Saturday morning, especially on a snowy Saturday morning in December. And uh, so what will we uh, – uh, so glad that you're with us. And if you're not following us on our social media world, first of all, shame, shame, shame on you. Now go redeem yourself. Hit follow, hit like, and be a part of the cool crowd. Go to at T-Balance, hit follow. Go to Facebook, search the balance, hit like. Uh, and then, of course, we have our other uh, 
uh, Twitter or families uh, at Pro Indy if you care about just kind of what's going on here in Indianapolis at Two Hot Corner. It's pretty much all about baseball uh, and at Breaking Rank. That's where we we kind of throw all of our college college football, college basketball, college soccer, uh, field hockey, uh, all of that stuff. Kind of kind of. I uh, live in the space of uh, college sports and breaking rank, and then at, at Indian May, that's nothing about but IndyCar kind of on the off season with that. But nonetheless, if you want to just get a taste of it all, you want to just get our sampler platter, if you will, go to at T Balance and then just hit uh, follow. My name is Tom Mark Wasdell, Presidente. So glad that you could join us here on a Saturday morning. Here in a few moments, we'll be joined by Rick Riggin from down in Evansville, Indiana, uh, Ed Kratz, uh, our official NFL contributor. And then later on in the show, we'll be joined uh, by Mo from the BS uh, Sports Show. So just kind of around the horn, if you will, wanted to talk a little bit. You know, we're kind of getting into that basketball season. Yeah, we're still kind of hunkering around into the uh, uh, college football season. So we're spending a lot of time talking about college football. uh, But certainly we're getting into that college basketball season. And uh, certainly after the first year, we'll really be diving deep into the college uh, basketball world as we get geared up for March Madness. I tell you what, time flies. Uh, it really does in the world of sports. And, you know, coming up here in just, uh, you know, six weeks or so, we'll be back to talking about NASCAR as they get ready for the Daytona 500 uh, in February. Uh, so a quick look-see, if you will, on, on the standings as we know now. Of course, it's still very early in the uh, NCAA basketball uh, deals, if you will. Uh, but uh, Duke, uh, number one, and no surprise there, 11-0, and 6-0 um, at home, and uh, 1-0 and away. Uh, Kansas, 7-1, and 5-1 uh, and one at home. And so Mich- Michigan State, Villanova, Florida, all round out the top five. And, you know, certainly we would, you know, there's so much, you know, it's it's interesting to see Wichita State in the um, top ten, Texas A&M, UK down pretty low. Notre Dame, did you see that big game against Notre Dame and Ball State this week where Ball State was able to pull off a March of Madness type win, if you will, against the uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And uh, that was kind of an interesting and very good basketball. Number ten, uh, Miami, Florida. University of Miami, Florida, all, all you know, all the way down at 21 is Purdue, uh, 24 Tennessee, and 25 USC. That kind of rounds out your top 25. We can go through all of them. West Virginia, number 18, 19 Seton Hall, number 20 uh, TCU. 917-889-8516 is my digits. Joining us now from Evansville, Indiana, our official college football contributor, uh, who may or may not be. Uh, a part of Stranger Things. We have got to find something else to talk about rather than Stranger Things. Uh, Rick Riggin, how are you doing, sir? How you doing, Tom? Hey, happy Army-Navy game to you. Navy game day to you, I'm sorry. <laughs> what? I, I didn't hear the first part. What did you say? Oh, I just said happy Army-Navy game day. But when I was saying it, it sounded good in my head, but when I was saying it, it came out all weird so you were, and everything. So. Yeah. <laughs> You were you were actually trying to talk in Twitter language live, right? Yeah, I was trying to use that stick a hashtag in there, a retweet, and yeah. 
Hashtag, hashtag, I get it. RB Navy, 118th meeting, uh, certainly here in a few minutes. Uh, we're going to really get into uh, the X's and the O's of the Army Navy game. Always an exciting game uh, from the from just being able to watch the the service academies. I know you're a veteran. Thank you for your service. I know you're very involved with AMVETS. And so let's take a moment to talk about AMVETS. Obviously, they uh, support and sponsor Breaking Rank for us, which is what we're getting ready to uh, get into here as well. But as you know very well this past week on, on uh, just a couple of days ago on December the 7th, uh, I don't know if celebration is the right word, but we certainly remembered uh, Pearl Harbor, uh, World War II. Not very many uh, veterans left uh, from World War II, so certainly thank you for their service. And I think, you know, one of the greatest things that happened in this country is the honor flights. And we have uh, honor flights that go out uh, periodically throughout the year, and I know that they did uh, one here from Indianapolis on the 7th to take these veterans to the World War II um, Memorial in uh, Washington, D.C. But I know you're very active in the AMVETS. Talk with us a little bit about the AMVETS and certainly uh, their contribution to not only World War II veterans, but veterans across the nation. Yeah, you know, you talk about Pearl Harbor and the World War II veterans, and that's exactly when uh, AMVETS came in, right after World War II. And since World War World War II, the uh, AMVETS mission has been to uh, fight for the benefits are, that our veterans are entitled to. So the best way you could do that, and it's really easy, just go out to your local AMVETS post, wherever you're at across the country. Uh, I know here in Indiana it's 30 bucks a year. Uh, it goes at 30 bucks goes a long way in helping the goes into programs and helping out your uh, local veterans. So really easy. It's easy to do. You don't even have to be a veteran. You can be a, a relative and, and, and whatnot and just get signed up, join, volunteer, and uh, it's a great thing. And you know what's, what's even better about that? I know that it's a, an organization supporting veterans, but unlike uh, the VFW or some other uh, veterans organizations, the American Legion and some others, uh, you don't necessarily have to. You have two different types of membership. You can be a non-military or a non-veteran member, but also you have the membership for veterans. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, you'd be considered what's called a son, uh, you know, if, if you're just uh, related to, to a veteran or ladies auxiliary, you know, if you're a spouse, daughter, you know, mother, whatever, whatever the case may be. So, yeah, two different uh, ways you can join there, veteran or uh, non-military. Well, joining us now is Ed Kratz, our official contributor for the NFL and beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, calling us from the city of brotherly love. Lots of brotherly love going down in in Philadelphia today as we get geared up uh, for the Army-Navy game down there in Philadelphia. Uh, Ed, welcome back to the balance, and I hope you're doing well today, sir. Hey, thanks, guys. It's uh, getting a little snow here in the, the Philadelphia area. You might, might see some snow on your TV screens when you tune into that Army-Navy game. Hey, that would be, that'd be all right. It makes it feel like a good football game. And I tell you what, there really is something special. I don't know if you're going to make it down there today or not, but certainly uh, it is a uh, a great opportunity for Army to redeem themselves and have two in a row. How special would that be? Well, yeah. I mean, after Navy had won 14 in a row until Army snapped that streak <laughs> last week, and you know, Army Army I think is uh, they've got I think they're what eight and two or eight and three. Uh, and Navy kind of comes in limping. They lost five of their last six. So uh, certainly Army's going to be the favorite. But, you know, I've been to this Army-Navy game uh, several times in the past, and really, to me, one of the best parts, I don't know if, you know, either yourself or, or Rick has been to uh, an Army-Navy game, but it's the it's the pregame stuff that goes on. It's just really all the pomp and circumstance. 
you know, with the, the marching in of the cadets and the, uh, you know, the flyovers, with, you know, with the airplanes, you have the, the Golden Knights parachute team. I mean, it's just, it's just tremendous uh, buildup. The, the game is almost kind of like, you know, anticlimactic after all the pregame stuff that takes place. It's just a really fun event to be around and to witness. And if you haven't uh, had a chance, an opportunity, you really should put it on the old bucket list and, and uh, get to a game one of these days, an Army-Navy game. That would be Absolutely. awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, Ed, are you going to the game today? I'm not going to the game today. Um, but like I said, I've been being right here in Philadelphia. It's been here, you know, and they, they, they've kind of shared it now with Baltimore. It goes down to Baltimore every few years. But before that, it was always, uh, you know, here in Philadelphia. So, uh, you know, I've been to, I would probably say, you know, at least four or five of them uh, as a fan, and I've covered uh, two of them. So I've been to about a half a dozen Army-Navy games before in the awesome. past. And it's just so – yeah, it's just so much fun. And even during the week, all the buildup and, you you know, when they make the players available for interviews and stuff, when I covered them, uh, you know, covered it for a, a news organization, uh, it's just a fun week even to, to kind of be around the players and the teams and the coaches and, and to see the commitment and discipline these guys have. And, uh, you know, just playing for the fun of playing, it's just really a neat experience. Absolutely. And I tell you, one, one thing you talk about, about disciplines, they, they, uh, these service academies typically, as a rule, have the fewest penalties called against them, especially when it comes to offsides and so forth. And, you know, I've had a, a very unique uh, once-in-a-life opportunity uh, to be able to go to an Army-Navy game. It was several years ago, up actually up at West Point. When I was in the Army, I was, I was an officer. I had a uh, warfare uh, class that I had to attend, course, the credit that I had to get as part of of my requirements. Uh, so I spent six weeks up there in and around uh, the West Point area. First of all, upstate New York, probably one of the most beautiful areas, certainly not associated at all, completely different, almost completely different worlds or states, if you will, upstate where uh, West Point is located at. And so, so I had the very, very unique opportunity to be up there during the, that one game. And I've been to one Army-Navy game, but yeah, you're right. Put it on on the bucket list and and uh, make it uh, make it a part of your of your to do uh, thing. Because I tell you what, um, say what you want about uh, you know we, we we won't get into this big conversation again. But you know, say what you want about the kneeling, uh, about the protest, and this and that and the other. When you watch these service academies go and do battle, and like you said, uh, the pregame shows it all. Shows it all. Shows the patriotism that that these guys have, and certainly uh, uh, coming off of, a, off of the uh, remembering of Pearl Harbor on uh, December 7th, a great uh, day for Army, Navy, and as you said, maybe have a little snow down there, and the pregame stuff is, is certainly a, a uh, special thing, and I believe Mike Pence is, is scheduled to be there as well uh, today as part of the opening ceremonies, as well as we know his son is actually a Marine, so I think he's probably going to be rooting for Navy today. My son, Marine, uh, we uh, kind of have our fun little rivalry. Uh, Ed, I know you were Air Force. But certainly, uh, you know, go Army. That's, that's, that's my theory. You know, I'm saying go Army. I say go Golden Knights. Uh, but no matter who you root for, it's a fun game uh, to watch. Guys, we're going to take a break. We'll get back. And we're going to actually get in to the Army-Navy game, uh, what it is, the history behind it, the tradition behind it, the X's and O's. We're actually going to break down the game in full and detail, and then we'll get into some NFL games and some college football games as well. My name is Tom Mark Vassell, President Day. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Tonight, I just want to take you away. 
double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like, early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Bobby, you're here again. Yeah, my doctor told me to reduce stress at work, so I come to Buffalo Wild Wings to eat lunch and watch sports. I get to pick one of seven entrees, like sandwiches and salads, plus one of seven sides. Well, I like sides. It's so affordable, I can finally take a vacation. Where are you going to go? Here, Tim, here. Introducing the new Beat Fast Break Lunch Menu, starting at a new low price. Dine-in or order takeout weekdays between 11 and 2. Participation and availability may vary. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. One has to ask oneself, what do you say to the leaders of the 21st century? To be a 21st century leader, you must have two things, competence and character. You're being taught every day here at this great institution how to do that. Out there among you, there are the cynics. There are the people that scoff at character. There are the people that scoff at hard work. And I can assure you, when the going gets tough, they will not be there. Where are the Pattons? Where are the Eisenhowers? Where are the Bradleys? Where are the MacArthurs? They're all gone. We don't have any out there. They were out there. And they are out there. And you will be out there. And if there's any doubt in anybody's mind, or was any doubt in anybody's mind, there sure as hell isn't any doubt now. The hell with a cynic. Believe it. Believe it, believe it, believe it, because you must believe it if you are going to be a leader of the 21st century.
Jamie Fogo. I'm the commander of Naval Forces Europe and Africa. I'm here with Vice Admiral Chris Grady, the commander of Sixth Fleet. We're at our headquarters in Naples, Italy, on the pointy end of the spear, right here in the middle of the Mediterranean where all the action is. I'm going to let Fleet Master Chief Kemp tell you who these fine shipmates are standing behind us. Fleet? These warriors that we are gathered here with at this very moment, tell you the hooyah. Hooyah! Understand exactly what their mission and role is in this fight, and that way we're prepared and fit to fight. Very well, Fleet. We have a message for the United States Military Academy football team. Go Navy! Above and beyond. 
Oh, absolutely. And Rick, by the way, you're fired from our research committee, so just don't want you to know that. No, I'm just well, no, no, no. It, it wasn't me. That was you that said Ed was in the Air Force. You go back and listen. Right before the break, you said Ed Kratz is an Air Force vet. So I texted you during the break, well, I and I was like, Ed, Ed, yeah, you did. And I texted you. I was like, Ed's in the Air Force, in the Air Force? I had no idea. You know, that was all. Like I said, I've been out on here for like for two years with Ed. And being an Air Force leader myself, I was like, that's great. I mean, I had no idea. I did not realize I said that. I thought you were texting me yes, telling me that, that Ed's in the Air was in the Air Force. All right, let's let's move on. <laughs> well, we've got to say that Ed was not in the Air Force. But hey, no matter what, Ed, we we appreciate your service to this show. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Always my pleasure. Well, let's uh certainly uh, obviously this is the one hundred and eighteenth meeting of the U.S. Navy and the Army, West Point, Annapolis. We'll start with you, Ed. You live down there in Philadelphia area. You're very familiar with Annapolis. Talk with us a little bit about Annapolis, the history of it, and certainly what it means to the city of Philadelphia. Well, you mentioned earlier, Tom, you spent time up at West Point, up at the uh, you know the academy up there, uh, right on the Hudson River, and and that's beautiful up there. And Annapolis, it's the same same thing. They're right there on the water, uh, right on the Chesapeake, and uh, you know the facility. It's a lot of brick, red brick buildings, and uh, you know it's a it's a great area to spend some time in. If you ever want to take a vacation to you know see the nation's capital, uh, you can always take a side trip over to Annapolis. It's only about I'd say maybe an hour's drive east toward the water out of the nation's capital. Uh, and it's worth a trip. I mean, it's just a fun uh, experience. You can get a tour uh, of the facilities. You have to schedule that. Um, but uh, it's just a, it's just a beautiful place, and uh, a lot of good restaurants in that area. And uh, you know, you see you see the uh, you know the midshipmen walking around, and uh, you can talk to them. Uh, it's it's just a really good atmosphere to be around. I've spent more time actually in, in Annapolis than I have up at uh, West Point. I've only been to West Point once, but, uh, you know, both facilities are just tremendous and, and great locations, very scenic, uh, a lot to offer in the towns. And, you know, like I said, I would recommend anyone, if, if they're planning a vacation sometime, to see, you know, the nation's capital. Uh, if you've never been there, I mean, that's a trip in itself, but a, a great side trip off of that vacation would just be to head over to Annapolis. Like I said, it's an hour away and it's an easy drive and uh, certainly worth a trip if you're from out of state or out of the area. Uh, and you want to do something different, that, that's the thing to do. Well, certainly in West Point, like I said, I have been up there, and it is just, especially in the fall, it is it is beautiful up there. But the history, and I've also yeah. had an opportunity uh, to uh, to go to the Air Force Academy. We spent some time at, when I was a child, lived in Colorado Springs. Uh, and I also spent uh, a little bit of time at Fort Carson there in Colorado Springs, so I did have an opportunity to visit the Air Force Academy uh, as well. Uh, Rick, uh, talk with us a little bit about your experience. Maybe you don't have any experience with the service academies, and that's okay. But I know you're an Air Force vet, so talk with us about this game and what it means to you. Well, my military experience is a lot less beautiful than yours. Uh, I spent time <laughs> at Shepard Air Force Base, middle of nowhere, Wichita Falls, Texas, which is on the uh, – the Texas-Oklahoma border, and then from there went to Davis Monthan Air Force Base in Tucson, Arizona, which you think sounds great, but you will not ever see the color green unless it's on a cactus. So a lot less beautiful than the what the what you had it in, uh, I guess, in the Army. So, 
<laughs> well, you know, I, I can tell you one thing. I spent many a time in locations much like yourself. But, you know, many a times I had to shake out my boots and my and my uh, clothing jackets or whatever I was wearing and, and see uh, little scorpions uh, come out. Uh, Definitely, one time that is I, the case I, in Tucson. <laughs> well. One time I was out in El Paso, actually, Phil, very, very, very similar to that area. And I know we're digressing off of this, this game here. but uh, So certainly uh, uh, nothing but sand and nastiness. And, and uh, so I had taken off my outer uh, DDU uh, jacket and laid it on the ground because I was a little hot. And I put it back on. I felt this, like, stinging on my arm. And I'm like, what is it? So I took out my – in this little – Scorpion comes out, and my buddy goes, "Oh, don't worry about it if it is, if it's, unless it's uh, a little tiny one." And he goes, "Yep, that's a little tiny one." So I had to have these shots. <laughs> and I tell you what, it was not a a fun experience. To uh, scorpions are, are not your your friends. I will I will tell Here, you that. Here's here's well, here's what I will here's what I will tell you about Wichita Falls, Texas, though. And I guess it's around that 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 whole area there. And you heard of the jackrabbits, right? Well, here, I'm from Indiana here. You know, we don't have stuff like that here. I mean, Ed probably doesn't have it on the East Coast, so it's probably like a Midwestern Plains type thing. But if you go there and these rabbits stand about three to four feet tall, and it's a total mind blow the first time you see it. You're like, what the hell is that? A mutated <laughs> rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little scary, huh? <laughs> it's insane. It's, I mean, it's like, like 30, 40-pound rabbits, you know? <laughs> So let's get back on track here. <laughs> 118 years they have been meeting, and this is a, a really huge tradition. And Army, and one of the things that Army, Navy, certainly the tradition is, but each and every year they wear awesome uniforms against each other. And 2017, I think, is uh, some of the best. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to look at this, uh, but the annual Army-Navy game is is. Uh, no, again, for uh, giving a tribute to a different segment of its brand, uh, particularly. So this year, the Navy's wearing Blue Angel uniforms, a tribute to the U.S. Navy uh, flight team. And I have had an opportunity to witness the Blue Angels, and they are uh, pretty awesome. And if you've not had a chance to look at that, you'll be able to see it on the game today. But I encourage you to do that. And then, again, it's a tribute to the Blue Angels, which re- reflects the enthusiastic pride and appreciation, and this is from their press release, this is a tribute to the Blue Angels, reflects the enthusiastic pride and appreciation that we have for the Navy's premier flying team and the motivation they convey to Navy football and the fleet at large. The Navy AD uh, Chet Gratlett said, the masterminds at Under Armour are always thinking of ways to inspire our troops, still reflecting deep appreciation for the Naval's history so ingrained in our tradition. So certainly uh, the uh, the uh, Blue Angels. Ed, are you familiar with the Blue Angels? Oh, yeah. My, you know, there was a Navy base right outside of Philadelphia it's since closed. It was in uh, Hatboro uh, or Horsham. It was the Horsham Naval Air Base. And uh, my, like I said, my father uh, served in the Navy. And I remember he took us to a Blue Angels show when we were when I was younger. And it's just breathtaking. I, I don't know if they do those shows anymore. Um, you know, those stunt flying shows, but, uh, you know, there was a time when I thought that's what I wanted to do after coming away and seeing that is I want to fly, you know, Navy jets. I, I didn't go in that direction, but simply breathtaking and, you know, jaw dropping the whole time. And 
uh, you know, I was fortunate enough. My father took me to one of them. And, and like I said, I'm not sure they still do those shows uh, anymore, but, uh, you know, I remember it vividly and it, it's just tremendous. And, you know, they do the, the blue angels do a flyover too, uh, pregame with army Navy, uh, just like the army has its, uh, its parachute team that comes out. So, you know, that is part of the pomp and circumstance. At least it's been every time I've been to army Navy is the, the, the blue angels do a, do their flyover. But, you know, I was, like I said, fortunate enough to see one of those stunt stunt air shows that they put on. And it was just, it was terrific. Yeah, I think they've cut out a lot of the air shows. I know they still do some of them. Uh, they were here uh, a few months ago, back in the summer. I think they still do a limited amount, I think, for budget reasons, but that's a whole other show for a whole other different topic. Uh, but uh, certainly, uh, yeah, the Blue Angels are uh, amazing. And I think uh, they've even been down there in your way before, Rick. Am I correct on that? Yeah, two years ago they were here for an air show. I mean, they're awesome. And as a jet engine mechanic in the Air Force, even those Navy planes, I could probably even go into it on another show, tell you some little bit of ins and outs of the FAA. FA-18 Super Hornet the Navy uses for the Blue Angels. Well, I tell you what, and I think, it, and again, these these uniforms that they're wearing today is spectacular. Talk about the Army, what they're doing uh, to to honor uh, the all white uniforms commemorate the 10th Mountain Division formed during World War II. Very familiar with the 10th Mountain Division. Did some training with them as well. Uh, did my uh, winter training with them as well. Spent some time up in the deep cold of Alaska with the uh, the mountain, the Tenth Mountain Division, which was originally called the Tenth Light Alpine Division. Trained uh, in for some harsh weather, and I can tell you one thing: if you want a soldier by your side in harsh weather, they are the ones to do that with you. And like I said, I trained side by side with them. Uh, very familiar uh, with the Tenth Mountain Division. Uh, these soldiers trained at 9,200 feet to learn to fight and survive in the most brutal mountain conditions. Uh, Bill Bowerman, who will eventually go on uh, to co-found the Nike, organized the supplies and maintained the mules for the 10th Mountain Division as the major army serving uh, as the commander of the 86th Regiment 1st Battalion. On all cleats, there is a panda patch, uh, which is a, a tribute to the 10th, uh, Mountain Division Roots uh, in, in Pando, Colorado, and they helped uh, design that uniform. Certainly awesome, awesome uh, tribute to the 10th Mountain Division as well. you guys have anything to say about that uh, uh, elite group uh, of the United States Army? No, I just, the uniforms that we're used to there are just such a tribute to, uh, to both squadrons, really, is what they are. So uh, it's a uh, it's really cool, you know, and the game really affects everybody in the country. We can get into that a little bit later on. Well, I oh, yeah, tell you one I thing, the chance so, Go right ahead, Ed. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tom. No, go right I, ahead. I was just going to say, I, I, I just think it's just so cool the way they do this, and it really highlights something that someone who hasn't served in the in the in the military, like myself, it it, it kind of spotlights. Uh, you know that, like you said, that mountain division. I mean, who knew that even existed? You know, unless you're really kind of plugged into the whole uh, service scene. So, you know, I think it's just so great that they shine that spotlight on these different uh, different branches of, of each academy. Well, the great thing about the 10th Mountain Division, uh, they are some one of some of the most elite fighting forces out there, and certainly uh, when yeah. they, they use very very a lot 
out in the Middle East and in Afghanistan and Pakistan and the mountain, extreme mountain terrain, uh, especially uh, during the Afghanistan, Afghan, Afghanistan operations uh, in fighting the Taliban. As we know, they like to hide very much in the mountains, and the U.S. Army and the U.S. military uh, relied on the 10th Mountain Division uh, to uh, seek out and destroy the Taliban in the mountains in Pakistan. Definitely. Certainly. I can tell you one thing. The 10th Mountain Division are what they call silent heroes. That's one of their mottos. And uh, they don't want all the credit and the glory, but I can tell you one thing. You want them on your side at the end of the day because every day of the of the year they are in the Middle East. They are in the thick of it all, and they are fighting for our freedom. And so hats off to the, to the 10th Mountain Division as well. Well, let's get into this game, the Army Knights versus the Navy Midshipmen. Uh, the Army can claim its uh, first Commander-in-Chief's trophy since 1996 when it meets uh, Navy for the 118th time uh, uh, today in Philadelphia in a game that could see uh, more punts than passes. The Black Knights have thrown 60 times this season and are also uh, trying for their record for the second victory in a series, which they trail 60, 50, and 7 after the midshipmen 99 pass attempts rattled off 14 straight wins 2002 to 2005. We'll start with you, Ed. Uh, the Navy uh, this year, 2017, as you mentioned, a little bit of struggle. Let's talk about the team. Let's talk about the game, uh, the Army-Navy game today, 3 o'clock, CBS. What say you? Yeah, well, that, that schedule that the Navy played, you know, Navy was 5-0, and I think, at one point uh, this year. Um, but they had a kind of a tough back end of that schedule. You know, they had to play, you know, some of the tougher teams in the uh, the American Athletic Conference, and they they went one and five uh, over their last few games. But, you know, it's a game really where, you know, it's the old cliche. You can just kind of throw the records uh, out the window because they don't mean anything, and they, and they truly don't. Uh, you know, these teams are playing for pride. But, uh, you know, for, for Navy, uh, you know, I, I just think that they have to kind of do what they do best. They have to run the ball. Both these teams just run the heck out of the ball. It's old-fashioned football. Um, you know, Zach Abbey, who's the Navy quarterback, he, he has thrown it more than Ahmad Bradshaw, the Army quarterback. But I think he's only thrown about 70 times this year. Uh, but he's got over 1,300 yards and 14 touchdowns on the ground. So, you know, he's certainly a player to watch, that quarterback Abbey. Uh, and then you flip it over and, and Army has the same situation. But, you know, Navy, uh, you know, they're six and five and, you know, they're looking to finish on a good note. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, they, they can do it against Army, uh, you know, and that would that would make their season. So we'll, we'll, to, we'll see how, how that goes. So in the Army-Navy uh, game as it is, and we'll kind of go into things to no. watch and then we'll – uh, we'll get into a break and get back no, with Mo yeah. the BS Sports Show. We'll talk about the the line, and then we'll get into some of these college football coaches' uh, carousel, and we'll still need to talk about some NFL. <laughs> but uh, certainly, it's easy to to get spend a lot of time talking about this game. But it's just a great game to talk about. What are some of the things that that you're looking at today, uh, Rick, with the Army Navy game itself? Yeah, like I was saying, with Zach Abbey only passing about seventy times when he does pass the ball. They are for really big plays because of the way the offense runs. Yeah, they just run the ball, both teams. Uh, but I do think Navy's experience against elite programs like Notre Dame this Notre Dame this year, they play this schedule every year. They made that game against Notre Dame really scary at the end. I think the, uh, the experience that their players got during games like that is probably what's going to give them the, the close win today. I mean, I'm not going to say they're going to start another 14-year streak. But uh, I do think Navy gets a close win today. 
Well, certainly some of the things to watch in today's game. And, you know, I, I, one of the things going back to what we talked about earlier with these service academies, they're very, very disciplined. And, and certainly some of the most time-efficient games in college football. I think we all would agree with that. You know, you think college football games can, can take a long time to play. That will likely not be the case today, Ed and Rick, uh, with the Army-Navy game. Uh, forget about teams going up t- tempo and trying to get involved in high-scoring affairs. Really, th- these games are, are, are defensive-based type games. They're, they're very structured. Uh, they're, they're very disciplined. Like, again, at the line, you see very, very little uh, offensive offside-type uh, plays. Army and Navy on the nation's top two rushing offenses, and Air Force is not too far behind it at, at number four. Army is the only team in the country with more than 4,000 rushing yards this season for now, uh, but the Navy uh, should join them with 2,822 coming into this game, Ed. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's trench warfare, really. I mean, both these teams are going to try to assert themselves on the, you know, win that line of scrimmage because they both want to run the ball. So, you know, the offensive lines for both teams are going to try to get the best of the defensive lines. Uh, and, and, you know, the D-lines are going to have to stop the run. You know, Army's only thrown 39 passes all year. I mean, they've played games this year where they haven't even thrown a pass, uh, you know, which is amazing. You know, in this day and age of, uh, you know, we're so used to seeing teams throw the ball, especially in college. You come out with those spread offenses that a lot of teams play with, and they just throw it all over the field. But, uh, you know, Army doesn't do that. So they're going to try to assert their will up front. Navy's going to try to do the same thing. And, you know, those guys up front are really the kind of the unsung heroes, kind of like the 10th Mountain Division, those guys up front, because, you know, they don't get a lot of the acclaim, but they're the guys that are going to win this game. It's the guys on the offensive lines and the defensive lines to stop that. Absolutely, and that's a, that's a great comparison. I like that to the 10th Mountain Division. Uh, Rick, Rick and, uh, talk to us a little bit about what your thoughts about the tempo of the game, and certainly we, we look at this game being the, the Commander and Chiefs Trophy on the line for the first time since 2012. The winner of the Army-Navy game will be awarded the Commander and Chiefs Trophy, the championship uh, uh, trophy awarded to the winner of a of, of three-way regular season battle between the Air Force, Army, Navy. Uh, Air Force won the award last year. And, and Navy took it the year before. So, dang it, it's time for the Army to get it. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, what you were saying a minute ago about the pace of the game, yeah, you're exactly right. Because when they played against Notre Dame, Navy did, uh, I don't even think an hour went by in the game yet. It was already at halftime because Navy holds the ball and runs the clock. And Army's going to be the exact same way. When that triple option offense gets going, it is one of the most beautiful things in all football to watch. It is really cool. It is so unique. And do either you guys know why uh, all three academies run the triple option? No, I don't. I, I have a, a no. Nope. Go ahead, Rick. It is because their lines are undersized, and they can use the extra blockers to man up on the bigger offensive lines against college football teams. That's because they're they're under they're undersized lines because of the weight restrictions the military has. That makes a lot of sense, and that that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. I was kind of thinking along those lines, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I like that. That's 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 a great little uh, nugget there. I think uh, you know you're right. There, there is that weight restriction, so the lines can't be those gargantuan, overinflated, you know, uh, man's you know jumbo guys up front. So yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Well, I'm glad I, I can contribute to the show finally, so uh, I'll be here all week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to mark this date down. I'm going to mark this right. down. 
<laughs> and final thoughts in this, in this segment. Army is three, as we mentioned earlier. Army is three and zero in games in with zero passing yards. If you think you need to throw the football in order to win a game, think again. The Army has had three games in which it has not did not did not record a single completion in the passing game, and the Black Knights are combined with three and zero in those games. In one of those games against Air Force, uh, Army did not even attempt a pass. Last year against Navy, Army completed two of four passes attempts for 35 yards. Uh, for what it's worth, Navy is also 1-0 in games without a completion this season. As you mentioned, Ed, they don't need to pass the ball to win this game. No, you know, it's crazy when you think of those numbers. I mean, it really they're, they're high school teams that throw the ball uh, more than that. And yet, you know, they're able to have success, Army and Navy, because of the of the precision and that, and that triple option stuff, you know. If, if it's on, like Rick said, it's, it's a thing of beauty to watch when Army gets it rolling. And, and that's why you don't need to attempt to pass. To, these guys are so well-drilled and well-schooled, not only on the field but off the field, and that's why the whole thing works. Well, Rick, uh, you know, uh, one thing you know when it comes to Army and Navy, you know exactly what you're going to get, hard-nosed, running in battles on, on the line of scrimmage uh, to make sure that you don't get the ball uh, pitched onto the outside there. Uh, final thoughts, Army, uh, Navy, and then we'll be back here uh, with, with Ed, and uh, we'll get our predictions as well. I mean, I'm sorry, with Mo. Ed will be back too. Uh, with Mo uh, from the BS Sports Show. But uh, uh, final uh, thoughts before we, we take a break. Yeah, yeah, like we were saying, when, when they do finally pass the ball, it usually hits for big plays, but that's just the reason why they tri- run the triple option. Because of the weight restrictions of the military, the lines are undersized. They can't pass protect against, you know, these other football teams. So, uh, but, yeah, the triple option is a beautiful thing to watch. Both teams are going to just run it, and it's going to be hard-nosed, and it's going to uh, – the game's going to fly by pretty quick. So, looking forward to watching it today. Well, absolutely. And uh, so uh, we're going to take a break. My name is Tom Mark Michelle, President We'll get back. We'll be back with Mo from the BS Sports Show. We're going to break down a little bit more from this game, and we'll get into some of these college football uh, talk and the NFL talk right here on the Balance Radio Network. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. 
When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Welcome back to Balance. My name is Tom Marcus El Presidente. Joining us alongside us is Ed Kratz, our official NFL contributor uh, and beat writer for USA Today from the Philadelphia Eagles, and Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor, calling us from Evansville, Indiana. We're still standing by uh, for Mo on a uh, snowy uh, morning here in Indianapolis. Well, somewhat snowy, not blizzard conditions, but we do have snow. Uh, that's for sure. I, they said we were going to have snow. I got up this morning. There was no show. I thought we we missed it, but as I look out the window now, it's coming down at a pretty good clip right now. So, and it looks like the ground's starting to get covered. So maybe winter has finally arrived here in Indianapolis. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna kind of jump into the NFL talk because I want to make sure that we get some time for that. And when Mo joins us, we're here in a little bit. We'll get into these college football coaches and we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, Army and Navy game and certainly get our predictions uh, through that. Thursday night, you know, a lot of things, a lot of people say we don't like Thursday night games. At least we had a good one on Thursday for a change. Uh, certainly upcoming, yeah, we've got the Colts and the Broncos. I don't know how exciting that's going to be. But, hey, we, Thursday night we had a good game. I, I mean, the Saints uh, last week against Carolina, I thought, showed a little life. And then the, the Falcons just kind of came back, took care of business 20-17, to 17, and really in a lot of ways redeemed themselves and kept themselves in the playoff hunt. Yeah, it was kind of kind of a crazy game the way, you know, Matt Ryan threw three interceptions for the Falcons, including one in the end zone, just a bad decision to kind of throw that one if you watch the game. And then, uh, you know, that was very uncharacteristic of Matt Ryan. You know, the Falcons are still playing for their playoff lives, trying to get back into the playoffs and make, the, make a run like they did last year to get to the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, he didn't play very well, but you know, then on the other side, Drew Brees threw an end zone interception at the end of the game. And, you know, another veteran quarterback that, you know, makes a big mistake late in the game. He thought New Orleans was going to at least tie the game with a field goal. But the way they were moving the ball, it looked like they were going to punch it in and win that game. And then Deion Jones made that very athletic interception to go up and, uh, you know, make that pick and kind of seal the game. Actually, the game kind of got sealed on another weird play when Sean Payton went running out to try to call a timeout to the official. And, maybe tried to do so a little bit too vociferously and was flagged for an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty that gave uh, the Falcons a first down and they were able to just run out the clock from there. So it was kind of a weird game. And I think the Saints are the better team. You know, there's still a team I think that's going to make some noise once the postseason starts. Uh, They lost Alvin Kamara, the the probable rookie of the year, uh, early in the game to a concussion. Um, But, you know, those two teams play again. In about uh, 15 or 16 more days, and it should be a heck of a rematch. You know, a, a lot was made when they saw 
uh, when they showed Sean Payton on the sidelines kind of making the choke sign at Devontae Freeman, uh, referring to last year's Super Bowl, uh, uh, you know, so it got real chippy, uh, you know, and it's something that, you know, Sean Payton really didn't look good doing that choke sign. And then in, at the play at the end, you'd think a veteran coach would be smarter and not put himself in that situation where an official could make a judgment call and hit him with a game deciding penalty, but he did. So, uh, you know, that rematch is going to be an interesting one to watch in a couple of weeks. Could be very interesting to watch, and, and I wonder if if Thursday night was a must-win for the Saints, or is it two weeks? Is it a must-win for the Saints? Either which way, uh, the Saints have got to put together some wins. I think they're they're on the outside looking in, and they're in very dangerous territory. They've got to get some wins. Uh, the Saints? Well, I mean, I think the Saints are nine and four, and the Falcons uh, are eight and five, and I think the Panthers are eight and four, but. Uh, New Orleans has already swept the Panthers. So I think New Orleans is in pretty good shape. Uh, I think their schedule isn't as tough. I mean, they do have to play Atlanta one more time, but that'll be at home. But I think, I think New Orleans is in the driver's seat to win that division. And I think right now it looks like maybe the Panthers and Falcons, if they take care of business where they can, when they're not playing each other, they could be the wild card teams. Uh, Rick, uh, you got any thoughts on this uh, uh, Saints-Falcons uh, game from Thursday? Well, I have a question for Ed about Thursday night football, but it could be a dumb question or a really awesome one. I don't know. I'll let Ed decide. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so everybody's worried about Thursday night football. It's good for the game. It's bad for the game. It's such a quick turnaround for the players playing Sunday and then playing again Thursday. So should we keep it? Uh, Should we get rid of it? But I I think the contracts for CBS and the NFL Network to show Thursday night games – it's $250 million apiece, so that's half a billion dollars. If we get rid of Thursday night football, does that affect the NFL salary cap? Does that make the salary cap less for all teams? The, the salary cap? No, I don't, th- I don't think it would. Um, but that's, a, that's not a bad question. Uh, I think they have other revenue streams that might be able to kind of bolster that. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, they – I, I've often thought maybe they should make it like a Friday night game. I don't know how that would do. You know, Friday night people are usually out. Yeah. Um, but that but that kind of gives you a little bit more time. So, you know, I, I'm in the camp where I, I don't think the Thursday night game is very good at all. It tends to lead to sloppy play, uh, maybe more penalties than we're used to seeing because the teams are a little bit more sluggish and they're not doing things correctly technique-wise. Um but, you know, maybe if you make it a Friday, that kind of gives you a little extra – gives you that extra day, and um, you know, and then it's a shorter turnaround coming back the following weekend, which is good too because some of these teams come out of that Thursday game and it takes a little while to shake off the rust. So it's really kind of affecting teams twice. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of it. But as far as the salary cap goes, I, I don't really see the salary cap coming down with the NFL. Now, I know they've been hurt with the ratings, and, you know, maybe that will be reflected in some of the contracts coming up and – you know, you have the CBA that I think has to be renegotiated in 2021. So, yeah, I can see the salary cap maybe coming down, but I, I don't think it would come down too much. I mean, when was the last time we saw a decrease in the salary cap? It always seems to be on the rise, um, and I just don't see that uh, being affected anytime soon. I think the salary cap will, will continue to rise. It may not rise as much as it has in the past, but I think it will just continue to go up no matter what happens to Thursday night football. I don't think we're in any – we're close to being done with Thursday night football. I think it's going to continue uh, at least for the next couple of years, unfortunately. Yeah. I was just thinking it's $500 million that, that could be lost. I didn't know if that affected the salary cap because it would affect teams in some way. 
but I just didn't know how. And salary cap is the only thing I, I could think of in a way, I guess. Yeah, I mean it's a revenue stream that the NFL counts on to, to you know to determine its salary cap. So yeah, it could it could impact it, um, but you know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, Roger Goodell, he gets a new contract, which I think was a mistake. I think they needed new blood to kind of come in and figure that out. But that's something that's going to land on his plate, and they're going to have to see if there's other ways to kind of make up for that, that shortfall should these Thursday night games go away. Well, I think one of the arguments for Thursday night games is, is injuries, and that brings me uh, into my next line of, of talk. I want to talk about last week, and I'm going to combine a lot of different things that we have saw over the last few weeks or the last couple weeks, if you will, specifically – uh, and I want to get your, your thoughts on it as a fan and then also as someone that covers the, the, the game. Ed. Here's the thing. I'm very, very, very concerned. Now, what, there's two parts to this. I am, I'm all about, you know, when we listen to Mitchell with the, the Steelers go on his rant about, hey, well, this is football. Let me know if this is flag football. It'll make my job a lot easier. I understand that this is a high-contact, high-speed sport. But then you see hits like Schuster. Uh, uh, I mean, you see you see hits uh, like uh, Juju Smith Schuster did. Uh, you see hits like Gronk did, and then you see injuries. Now, I, granted, this wasn't necessarily because of a bad hit. It was just him being in a bad position and and aiming in bad. But really, it, we came very close, very, 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 very close. Uh, to seeing someone paralyzed for life uh, with Ryan and Scheiser, uh in the game against uh, the, the Bengals. And we saw a lot of uh, – I mean, I know there's a lot of bad blood between the Bengals and the Steelers going back to 2015 in the playoffs, if you will. There's a lot of bad blood there. And I get it. And I understand that it's like, hey, it's, you know, we, we're, we're, we're going for blood here. Uh, and maybe that was part of Juju's kind of his – is uh, hey, I'm a rookie. I'm showing showing the Bengals that hey, I'm a Steeler. Here's a hit. He just kind of walked over him, really kind of caught. He got suspended for it for one game. We see Gronk do what he did with it, with the kind of the wrestling move with his with his pad. And more and more, I look at that. He, he used that pad or that that brace, if you will, that he uses on his arm as a weapon. That could have been something a lot more serious. He got a concussion out of it. He only got suspended one game after watching that several times. I think he could have got should have got suspended multiple times. I think there's 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 something wrong here when we get, get past the point where this is becoming more than just a high speed high impact injury. Injuries are going to happen in football. That's just part of it. But when you have a deliberate attempts to cause injury, that to me is problematic. And if we allow us to continue to go down that road, we're going to end up being a lot like modern day gladiators. And I hate to say it, and Clay Travis said it on his show earlier this week, so I'm not trying to copy what he said, but he made a very, very valid point. It's just a matter of time until we see somebody die on the field. It might be this year, it might be next year, it might be 10 years from now, but as long as we keep going down the road that we're going now and we're just basically giving them slap on the wrist, hey, one game here, one game there, uh, $25,000 here, $10,000 there, it's just a matter of time until we see somebody die on the football field. What are your thoughts as a fan? And also, maybe they're two completely different thoughts. What are your thoughts as someone that covers it full-time as far as these unnecessary attempts to hurt injuries, if you will, uh, that that we see going on? Yeah. uh, 
Well, certainly it's 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 been ugly. And as a fan, if you you know you could even throw that brawl that they had between Michael Crabtree and Akib Talib, how they were both swinging at each other. You know, if you're a if you're a parent, a mother, or a father who has a young son that wants to play football, and you're watching the NFL these past few weeks, and you're seeing what's happening, I mean, that's kind of a walking advertisement for saying, look, I don't want you to play football. You know, look look what happened. Look what this league has become. Uh, you're right. It's kind of like gladiators out there. And I think a lot of it, well, maybe some of it stems from the fact that the, the players just don't have respect for one another uh, as, as human beings. I mean, look, we're all, you know, everybody's a human being. And, you know, sometimes maybe from where players come from, uh, their backgrounds, uh, you know, that, that, that feeling of having to fight their way out of, uh, you know, maybe a, an economically depressed area or situation can kind of lead to that mentality of, you know, I need to do everything I can to, to keep my livelihood going. And, and in the heat of the moment, sometimes you lose track of exactly what you're doing to another human being. I know the NHL had this problem for years where there were so many injuries with just kind of players playing reckless abandon and slamming other guys into the boards where they had to pass, uh, you know, the, they had to enforce the boarding penalties. And, uh, you know, they had to be more attentive to what was happening on the ice in terms of launching yourself into a player and, you know, you bring up the punishment, you're right. If you're going to just get a slap on the wrist, the one-game suspension from Gronkowski when he deliberately jumped on and, and body-slammed another guy and drove his, his forearm and fist into the guy's uh, the back of his head and created concussion, I mean, one game is, is ridiculous. And I think that's the problem. When you looked at, I think you said, uh, was it Mike Smith or the Steelers or Mike Mitchell who spoke Mitchell, out against Mike Mitchell. Uh, Mike Mitchell, yeah. I mean, he, he's right. The way the NFL deals – uh, you know, meets out its uh, discipline is, is just ridiculous to, to give Gronk only the one game. And then, you know, Juju uh, Smith-Schuster, uh, or Schuster-Smith, I guess it is, you know, he, he was trying to make a football play. He wasn't trying to hurt Perfect, I don't think. I think he just saw Perfect and he wanted to make a block. And I think if that hit was a little bit more six inches to the left or right where he's not leading with his helmet, it's a clean hit. You know, I just think he didn't hit him in the right spot. And then he gets a game, uh, you know, for trying to make a football play. Gronkowski was not a football play. So, you know, my thoughts as a fan is it's completely deplorable. And my thoughts as, as a sports writer who covers the game is it's completely deplorable and, and it needs to be cleaned up. And Goodell is at the head of this whole thing, and he needs to kind of take a stand and figure out a better way to mete out justice. No, you're absolutely right. And here, here's the thing about I think why Juju uh, got suspended, and I think this is what a lot of people think it was his cocky arrogance. Uh, he basically knocked him out. I mean, first of all, I don't think anybody thought Juju could do that. But second of all, he basically knocked him out, at least knocked the wind out of him, and he just kind of stepped over him uh, without any concern and just kind of did a, a body motion that made him like cocky, arrogant, hey, look at what I just did to you. I think it was the after effect rather than what he actually did. Rick, what are your thoughts on, on, on what we're talking about here? Yeah, so you're talking about Clay Travis is saying we're eventually going to see somebody down the field, and I actually think that is right, but we're kind of almost seeing that now anyway. Uh, not to bring up some depressing news, but since we're talking Army-Navy today, Navy actually had a, running, uh, a, a freshman running back last year that did pass away collapsed on the field during spring practice and, and died in the hospital three days later. And when they investigated it, they traced it all the way back to a hit he took his senior year in high school. And then through normal contact and everything that they go through in spring practice, re-aggravated the head injury to the point his brain's 
he had swollen swelling of the brain and he passed away three days later in the hospital. I mean, it's it's really sad, but I, I don't know what you really do about it. Uh, finding players, suspending players, maybe you go all the way back to uh, Pop Warner and teach him how to tackle correctly. You know, as the old rule, I guess, a few years ago, was the popular way to teach a proper tackling or anything like that, using your helmets and shoulders as missiles, basically, as weapons, and to get good hits on guys. I don't know the right answer to it, what, what to do to fix it, but I think Clay Travis will eventually be right. I think we might see a player actually die on a field one day. Well, absolutely, and, and, and the sad thing about it is, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of Clay Travis. I don't think anybody is a stranger to that. I, I, I like him. One, because he says what he thinks. Two, he's funny. And three, he, he's usually right about a lot of things, but at, at the same time, it's unfortunate that he has to be right about something like that. It would be something that I wish that he wasn't right about. We're talking about, you know, uh, Mitchell, Mike Mitchell. On, on, I don't know if you saw this guy when he basically went on a rant, if you will, on a four-minute rant uh, with reporters uh, Wednesday uh, night, really about how the NFL is penalizing players for hits, that, that con- what constitutes a dirty hit and so forth, just what we're talking about. And he started off blasting the league, saying that the football is not a dangerous, barbaric game. And I'm just kind of quoting the quote here. I won't read the whole rant. But I, I, will, I do want to read this little portion here just to make the point. So this is uh, a quote from uh, Mike Mitchell. I don't know, man. Uh, just hand, hand us all some flags. Hand, hand us all some flags and let us go out there and grab flags off of them because we're not playing football. This is not damn football. When I was six years old, watching Charles Woodson, Rod, uh, Rod Woodson, uh, Sean Taylor, and, and hitters uh, Jack Tatum, that's football. This ain't football. Uh, you got to know that the risk, what the risk is when you sign up. No one wants you to be paralyzed. No one wants you to have head injuries. There are, are all things that are negative. So let's try not. Let's try to change football. Not try to change football to a dangerous, barbaric game. This is how I've changed my family's legacy. Before I got drafted, I had $368 in my bank account. That is far from the case today. I've changed my family legacy uh, by this beautiful game of football forever. So let's not try to change it into some sort of evil, dirty game. It's football. It's no different from US, UFC fighting. This is combat, contact sports. There's going to be injuries. That's just what it is. If you don't want to get injured, then don't come out here. This is for real men. This is a man's game. Ray Lewis said that a couple years ago. I stand by that. This is a man's game. If you want a little kid, you don't want to get your butt, and I'm paraphrasing by using the word butt, hit, then don't come out here because it's a game for grown butt men straight like that, end quote. Ed, when you hear that, what are your thoughts? Well, we're going to see. We're going to see how many kids are going to start playing football or stop playing football at a young age. I mean, you know, we'll see what this game looks like in three to five years, maybe sooner um, than than five years. I mean, I just think that uh, parents today uh, are going to have to decide whether they want their child to play football. And, you know, you're not a grown man when you begin playing the game. You're a Pop Warner. You're a seven, eight-year-old kid. You're not a grown man playing the game. Um, you know, you're going to grow into a man, but is football going to be the way you want to make your living? For some players, it will be. Uh, maybe more for the disadvantaged type of player who grew up in, a, in an economically depressed uh, environment. Uh, it could be. And we could see this get worse, and we could see somebody die on the field 
Um, to me, football, they, yeah, sure, it's a grown man's game, but I think there has to be an even-handed uh, system that finds players or suspends players uniformly, not just kind of haphazardly. I think there has to be standards. You know, justice is kind of handed down for hits like we saw with Gronkowski versus uh, Schuster-Smith. Um, and I think that's kind of the way to go is there just has to be more a better attention to discipline and, uh, you know, throw players out of games. You know, refs are hesitant to throw players out of games for whatever reason. Uh, but they have to do something like that. And I know that's going to set off another firestorm. Um, but listen, you know, th- this game has to be cleaned up. I don't care if it's a man's game or not. It's a game that has to be cleaned up because, you know, people are going to start to tune out of this game. Um, you, you know, there will be a, a segment that will keep watching because that's what they like to watch. It's kind of like in, in auto racing, you know, when there's an accident, people like to kind of see, you know, that kind of mayhem and what comes from an accident. But, uh, you know, so there is that segment that likes to see that, but there isn't a segment that likes to see a clean, well-played game between two teams that respect one another and don't try to injure one another on purpose. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's where you've got to figure out where that, that, that line is. Uh, Rick, before we go on to some of these other games, do you have any uh, comments on Mike Mitchell's rant, we'll call it, but maybe he was speaking the truth, maybe he was speaking from his heart, but at the same point, he was very passionate about what he had to say. It's not really a comment about Mike, uh, Mike Mitchell, but it just falls in the same way, uh, same category. And I'm not trying to be a downer, but it is Army-Navy Day. And while I was talking about the, the freshman running back passing away last year, uh, there are some people out there that think that boxing and football are going to are on borrowed time and might even go away at the at the academies. It's crazy if that sounds, because we already have student athletes, Army, Navy, and Air Force, experiencing permanent signs of shell shock, and they haven't even graduated to getting a normal job or even been been in the combat zone yet. So there's a big investigations going on in, into all this, and I, I don't see those sports going away. But there are people out there thinking those sports are on borrowed time football and boxing at the academies. Right, absolutely. Uh, I, I totally agree with you uh, for sure. Mo's going to be joining us here in a minute. I know he, he kind of got uh, got sidetracked, but he's going to be uh, joining us here uh, in, in just a moment. I, I want to talk about some of these other games, and then uh, when we get Mo on the line, we'll, we'll shift back to the uh, to the Army-Navy game and talk about some of the point spreads and stuff with, with that. Really, I think what we've seen, Ed, is we've seen the uh, good – separate themselves from the pack. And I think what we, we're seeing here is really a very well-defined uh, definition of the playoffs between the uh, uh, NFC and the AFC. We'll talk about the, the NFC. It's your, it's, your, it's your world right now. You own it. Uh, you, you ha- uh, when I say you, I mean the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles probably in a lot of ways, if the, if the MVP was given away today, uh, Carson Wentz would be your MVP player. You guys are on the track. Uh, to a Super Bowl. But then you also have to worry about uh, the Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings have a very real chance of going to a Super Bowl that they're actually hosting. So let's talk about the NFC. You know, certainly the NFC, we we look at the Vikings, the Panthers, and we talked about uh, the Saints. But really, you guys are leading the charge with the Vikings right behind you and right on your tail. Talk with us about the NFC and the playoff picture and what it's shaping up to be because right now it looks like that the road to the Super Bowl is either going to go through uh, Philadelphia to Minneapolis or stop at Minneapolis. Yeah, well, the Vikings right now, even though the Vikings and Eagles are 10-2, and two, the Vikings, I believe, based on, I think, the fourth or fifth tiebreaker, actually would be the number one seed 
if, if the season ended today. Of course, it doesn't. You know, there's still four games left for both of these teams to play. And, you know, Sunday's a huge test for both of those uh, division leaders. Minnesota has to go to Carolina uh, to play the Panthers, who are sitting at 8-4, and four, kind of uh, fighting still uh, to, to uh, get a wild-card spot. That whole NFC South with the Panthers, the Falcons, and the Saints is still kind of uh, undecided. The Saints are in the driver's seat. But, you know, Carolina needs this win. Minnesota has looked unstoppable. Uh, their defense held Atlanta out of the end zone last week when they played, held them to nine points. They're going on the road again. We'll see if they can repeat that performance against a team that is desperate, like Atlanta was last week, but Minnesota found a way to win. Minnesota's defense is, is extremely good, especially that secondary. Xavier Rhodes is, you know, to me, playing at, a, at an all-pro level at cornerback. Um, so the Vikings, if they get home field advantage, they won't have to leave their state to get to the Super Bowl. You know, they'll, they'll play all their games right there at home, um, which has never been done before. Uh, but right now it's trending that it could happen. The Eagles have to, of course, play uh, in L.A. against the Rams. It's a great matchup between the quarterbacks that were drafted one and two last year and Jared Goff for the Rams and Carson Wentz with the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles are coming off a game and a loss in Seattle that snapped their nine-game winning streak. They kind of seem to be a little conservative. They ran the ball pretty successfully in the first half, but, you know, Peterson kept running the ball. The head coach, Doug Peterson, kept running the ball and, uh, you know, when you have, like you said, an MVP candidate in Wentz, you want to be able to do a little more play action off of that. I think he stuck to the run a little bit too long and losing to the Seahawks last Sunday night, 24 to 10. Uh, but now you look at this game against the Rams. The Rams have the 21, 21st ranked run defense in the league. The Eagles have their three-headed monster in Jay Ajayi, LeGarrette Blunt, and Corey Clement. Uh, they need to run the ball. But we'll see now if Peterson kind of flips the script and says, well, I ran it too much last week in Seattle. I'm going to throw it this week. And really when the recipe is to run the ball again against L.A. and set up some of that play action for Wentz. You don't want to stick with the run too long. But, uh, you know, Jared Goff is a handful with his play action stuff that the Rams can get Todd Gurley going. The Eagles haven't given up a 100-yard rusher on the ground this year. Uh, they're the best run defense in the league. But, you know, Todd Gurley is, is a different kind of animal. A couple weeks ago, the Eagles faced Jordan Howard of the Bears, who was the third leading rusher and held him to six yards on seven carries. So they can shut down Gurley, but that whole uh, offense is predicated on Gurley getting ground, uh, you know, ground yards and then setting up play action passes off of that. So uh, the Eagles have to stop the run to make that play action a little less effective. And then when Goff drops back to throw, the Eagles defensive line is one of the best in the NFL. They have to pressure Goff uh, and make, things a little bit difficult for him but it's a great matchup with Goff and Wentz even though they don't play each other they're you know they'll be on the sidelines when the other one's on the field it's a great matchup these are two quarterbacks that are ticketed for the playoffs the Rams are sitting at nine and three they're trying to hold off the Seahawks or at eight and four so it's a huge game for them as well and it's a big game for the Eagles if they were to lose chances are the best they could do is finish as a two seed which means they would have to go to Minneapolis for an NFC championship game if one were to hold in the playoffs well, uh, uh, Mo's joined us. I'm over the BS Sports Show. Uh, has joined us, Mo. Uh, I know it's uh, snowy up there in uh, northern Indiana, where you guys, you guys are getting uh, quite a bit more snow than we are. Uh, but uh, it's a snowy day here in Indiana. Uh, we're talking about uh, the NFL. Certainly, we, we, we went through the the line of of how uh, the injuries have gotten worse, and we look at uh, Schuster, and we look at the, some of the, the the dirty hits from Gronk. 
And then we're talking about the NFC uh, uh, playoff track, and Rick Hogan joins us as well. Mo, when we look at the AFC, I mean, really, I, I, I like the Chiefs, and, and I think everybody knows I picked the Chiefs to be there at the end of the year, and, and they say dance with the girl you went to prom with, but uh, I don't know. This prom date's getting, <laughs> getting on my nerves. So, I, you know, when we look at Pittsburgh, especially after them being able to pull off a good win against uh, the, the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, but not a, a not, not a pretty win, but a win. And so that's really all that matters. And then we look at New England. At the end of the day, Mo, is there anybody that you see that's going to be really the strong contender? I mean, I know we're looking at Jacksonville. They've got a, got a good deal going. Kansas City got a good deal going. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think it comes down to Pittsburgh and New England trying to decide who makes a trip up to Minneapolis. What would you say, sir? Yeah, I mean, I don't really see any other team that's really going to compete. The thing that could be the wild card to me is if you can get uh, you can get a day at one of these teams that are playing Jacksonville to where Jacksonville's defense can cause some of those turnovers. Uh, and then, you know, you get a day where Blake Bortles, uh, you know, has another 300-yard passing game or just maybe no turnovers, and they get Leonard Fournette going. That would be the only recipe I see one of those couple two teams getting knocked off is that you catch Jacksonville on a day where the defense is doing its thing and, you get a, uh, a flawless game from from uh, Bortles, and, and that's how they they advance. I think that's the only that's the only way. All right, who's playing the Christmas music? Uh, I don't know. I hear it too. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's a little clock I have in my in my dining room here. Uh, sorry about that. It goes off every hour. A little holiday clock. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Hey, get it. Tis the season. Get it. Get us in the spirit. Uh, well, guys, uh, we're going to uh, shift back on over to uh, the Army-Navy game, and we want to talk a little bit more about that game and certainly about some of the coaches' uh, changes in uh, the NCAA football. Tennessee has got themselves uh, a coach now, finally. We hope, we think. I haven't seen anything change in the last 72 hours, so I think we have a coach uh, down in Tennessee. Uh, so uh, we'll start uh, with you. Uh, Mo, what are your thoughts on uh, – obviously, we don't need to talk about the craziness that they got to get this hire, but I think uh, they, at the end of the day they ended up with a good choice, and I think that, that uh, the Tennessee hire is not a bad hire for them. No, I mean, it's not a bad hire, but is it a coach that's going to wow you over picking other, other SEC teams? Uh, you know, are you, are you not going to pick Georgia or Florida or Alabama or Auburn now? I don't – I mean – to do, go through all this, I don't think that they got a, a higher that wows. But, you know, I don't think there's ever been a team that I've rooted against more uh, for getting a good coach than I did Tennessee, the way they just mishandled this the whole entire thing. From the Greg Schiano ordeal to the way uh, it sounds like Phil Fulmer was uh, sabotaging other candidates to try to make the play to be the AD. Uh, I, I've never rooted harder against a team to fail than I will uh, this next year against Tennessee. Well, there we go. Hey, uh Rick, uh, who's the bigger uh, grand slam or walk-off home run, if you will, if we can use baseball terms, uh, Jimbo Fisher uh, to the Aggies or um, uh, uh, Kelly, uh, Chip Kelly to UCLA? Well, I mean, Chip Kelly's still to be determined. He hasn't coached, what, Ed, now, what, a year or two? Two years, maybe? So, uh, and the rumor you hear with him is he does not like to uh, to recruit. So, I don't know, but he always had these great athletes at Oregon. Uh, we'll see. But right now, I'm going to say that the home run is, even though it's going to be tough, I think it's Jimbo Fisher uh, going to the SEC. But I'm, <laughs> the funny story about that is is I, 
I hear the only reason why he did that is because through the ugly divorce he had with his ex-wife, and whatever money he was going to get from Florida State, half of that was hers. So he took the big contract at A&M because that is untouchable money for her. So that's the whole reason why he took it. <laughs> hey, it sounds like a, sounds like a good, good plan. To, that's to a business decision the right there. <laughs> uh, Ed, what are your thoughts on some of this uh, craziness going on in college football coaching uh, as far as Jimbo Fisher, uh, Chip Kelly? I know you're very familiar with him going to UCLA. Yeah. Also, uh, what, what are your thoughts on – uh, the Tennessee hire or, or, or what have you? Well, you know, Rick, Rick, to answer Rick's question, Chip, Chip didn't coach last year. He was in the, in the booth with, uh, I think ESPN or somebody doing college football. I never saw him on television, but uh, he, he spent a year away from coaching after getting fired from the 49ers. You know, Chip, when he was in Philly, you, you knew he hated coaching in college. He hated the whole game that you had to play to get a recruit to go into, you know, a, a 17 or 18 year old kid's home and, you know, kind of kiss up to them and the parents, uh, you know, to kind of close a deal after your assistant coaches have kind of put, put it in place for you. And then you have to go in and hit it out of the park. Chip hated doing that. He didn't like to have to glad hand with boosters, but he was so, he so badly wanted to succeed in the NFL and he couldn't do it. So now he has to go back to college and uh, kind of reprove himself. And I, I think he will. I think, you know, UCLA will be a program to watch in the coming years uh, despite all that. Uh, as far as um, the Tennessee situation, I, I kind of like, you know, I know it might not be popular with the boosters and, you know, some of the fan base when you go uh, hire a name that doesn't have that, uh, you know, that name recognition, you know, but Jeremy Pruitt, you know, I think he can coach. I mean, he's certainly proven himself at Alabama and other places. And, uh, you know, can you recruit away from some of those SEC schools? We'll see. But I, I kind of like when you give a guy who hasn't had a chance, when you give him a chance, to see if he can succeed. And, you know, I, I don't like the way Tennessee handled the situation at all, and it cost their athletic director's job, really. Um, but, you know, I, I think Pruitt will prove to be a good hire uh, in the long run. But, you know, that's just my thought, my gut feeling on that. But, you know, he has to prove it. But I, I think it'll be okay. I know it's not the big name that some fans wanted, but, uh, you know, I think he'll be okay and he'll prove himself uh, at Tennessee. Uh, Mo, I want to uh, shift gears here, and uh, we're going to get into this Army Navy talk here in just a minute and get our our predictions. But uh, you know, obviously, as I, as I said earlier, I'm a I'm a big fan of, of Clay Travis, and Clay Travis had the uh, unique opportunity to be able to do his show from Washington D.C. this week. And the reason why he was in Washington D.C. is because he was able to go uh, to the U.S. Supreme Court hearing uh, about the online gambling. I wanted to get your expert I- insight on this. Uh, certainly, uh, this what we're talking about is Christie versus the National uh, Collegiate Athletic Association or the NCAA, uh, and I think that the Supreme Court is kind of going to go in the favor of what we call PASPA or the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act to kind of wipe it off the books. And uh, PASPA is the is the is the one hurdle stopping states outside of Nevada from authorizing and regulating full scale sports betting. Uh, but the turn of the Supreme Court or or or, or arguments. I gave some clues to where the court might be heading, though it doesn't necessarily mean that's where they will go. But it certainly looks good for those that are a fan of online betting like, like you are and like a lot of us are. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's been a monopoly for Vegas for a long time. So, I mean, what it really is in you know, the day about is, is money, uh, which most things are. It's, uh, it's about the fact that Vegas has had this monopoly for so long, and there's been all kinds of, of back-channel money to, 
to different legislators and government officials and all kinds of things to try to keep this uh, a Vegas type only type thing. And it's, uh, you know, it wouldn't be allowed in any other business. So it's just strange that it's allowed when it comes to gambling, that it's been allowed to do this. So, uh, you know, it seems, it feels like some big steps were taken. I think we're still probably, uh, you know, probably three years away from this because then the States have to go through it. So, uh, it, it was a good step, but uh, again, it's uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't really see this be able to happen in, in m- many other businesses uh, across this country due to antitrust laws. But somehow Vegas has been able to do it uh, all these years when it comes to gambling. Right, absolutely, and Pasqua does not in itself, I guess, prohibit sports betting. It instead prohibits a state uh, from uh, from another uh, from things like licensing and authorizing sports betting uh, by law. Ordinarily, uh, as uh, I think was discussed quite a bit uh, by the Supreme Court that when Congress seeks to regulate conduct, it regulates the conduct of individuals. For example, by making things federal crimes, states are regulated by Congress as well as the market participants. In other words, if a state is buying or selling a product in commerce, the state is subject to the same federal laws that individuals would be uh, subject to. So as you as you mentioned, and I know this might be a lot of high-level uh stuff, but we just want to go online and make our bets. But as we know and as we've talked about on this show, if, if I was to go online right now and make a bet on the Army-Navy game, my bet would actually be made overseas. Uh, so we want to kind of make it so that it's legal here in, in the United States. Do I got that right? Does that pretty much sum up this rather technical law that we're looking at here and that's being looked at in the Supreme Court? Yeah, it is. You know, and the other thing about it is, you look at all the money that casinos, even if they're, you know, uh, some local casinos or racetrack casinos in, in other states, the amount of money that Nevada makes off of these casinos, you know, to do things. That's why a lot of the Nevada schools are so nice. They have so much extra money that they're playing with that every other state is really kind of pushed out of. And so then, you know, that's like you said, I'm spending sending my money overseas. It's uh, it's just it, it's it's an asinine on a bunch of different levels, but. You know, other states participating in this. The money's being spent, so why, like you said, why not keep it here? And why not spread it out to other states? You know, it's uh, it's a lot of money that the government collects off of these casinos and in this gambling. So, you might as well keep the money here and let the other states participate in it. I, I'm, I'm, I mean, trust me, dude, I'm excited. The fact that I'd be able to do it here locally or walk into a, a sports book uh, locally and not have to worry about putting my money overseas, I, I'd be I'd be stoked about it. Are, are we close? To maybe within the next five years, when I say close, or within the next five to six years, to, uh, for example, to be down at Lucas Oil Stadium or, or Lincoln Field at a Philadelphia Eagles game or what have you, and be able to pull out our phone and, and just do live betting at the event itself. Are we close to that like they do in Europe, like they do in England? Uh, yeah, I think so, because that way the NFL will have their hand in it, which would uh, would make them happy because they love the money. And it's a, it's an easier way to uh, I think to regulate it uh, as well. So yeah, I think I think we're close. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, it's a, a, an exciting part of the game, obviously for a lot of people. A lot of people who don't care so much about a team, they care much a lot about betting. I have uh, numerous friends that don't have a team; they just like to uh, like to bet. So it, it seems to work well with the soccer. So I wouldn't uh, if the NFL can figure out a way to do it uh, to, to their satisfaction and they get the share in the money. I don't think there's any reason we don't see it. Uh, Ed, Rick, uh, what are your thoughts on, on this uh, new law? I know it's kind of a technical law, but really what it, 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 it summarizes is it, it's going to make it easier to be legal to uh, bet legally inside the United States. And I think the NFL, as, as Mo just pointed out, Ed, uh, the NFL stands to gain a lot of money by allowing people to bet on their team. Ed? 
Well, well, you know, it comes back, you know, Rick asked me earlier about the salary cap and how that might be affected if these Thursday night games and the $500 million the NFL receives goes away and how that would affect the salary cap. Well, here you go. Here's another revenue stream for the NFL to keep that salary cap going up and up and up uh, through the years. Um, I'm not a big sports betting guy. I, to me, I just watch games to kind of, you know, unwind and to enjoy and to, you know, get away from it. I don't want to have to worry about, gosh, am I covering the spread or you know, I need a touchdown or a field goal or a goal or a basket here to cover uh, my bet. I just kind of like to watch as kind of an, an, an outlet to, to get away from, you know, the, the stresses of, of real life. But I know it's a huge market. A lot of people do it. I just don't happen to do it. So wherever the, you know, the chips fall on this, it's fine with me. No pun intended, right? Bomb, bomb. Right. <laughs> All right, Rick, right. Uh, any, any thoughts on this subject? And then we're going to go around the horn and, and uh, uh, talk about uh, the Army-Navy game to, to wrap things up and put a bow on it. Yeah, I couldn't possibly break it down the way Mo, Mo can break it down and make it easy for big dummies like me to understand. But I, I do know that uh, Adam Silver and Rob Manford are, like, in favor for – for the sports betting, and if they can get Roger Goodell and the NFL all on board, I mean, the most can be right, you know, four or five years, and it's it's going to be a thing. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens. Okay, Mo, Army-Navy, uh, certainly one of the greatest games, 118th uh, meeting. It doesn't really matter who your team is on this. But yeah, let's go Army. Uh, but at, at the same time, a lot of history, a lot of tradition. Love seeing these service academies uh, do battle, and it's going to be a great atmosphere. It's going to be kind of a, a wintry atmosphere there in Philadelphia. I know Ed's there in Philadelphia, not going to the game today, but certainly mentioned that there's going to be some snow there. And as we talked about earlier, Mo, uh, so much of this game is the pregame ceremonies. But it is something special to watch. These two service academies uh, do battle every single year. Army-Navy game, 118. Uh, the, the spread is uh, three. The line is three in favor of Navy. Obviously, that could go either way. Uh, I, I'm not a professional better like you, but I would say this would be one game you just want to stay away from as far as betting goes. Well, this is one of the few things that are left in my sports bucket list is to see this game uh, sometime in person. I've gotten to the point now where I have to watch it at home because that pregame ceremony, man, it just brings tears to my eyes. I love this the game. It's one of my favorite games of the year. And now that uh, both are bowl eligible, uh, this is, I think, going to make me be a banner year for this game. Uh, you know, I like both teams. I, I, this is one of those games I, I say every year on a lot of different shows that I wish there didn't have to be a loser. I wish there was a way that both teams could just win this game. Uh, but I like Army today in the game. I, I put money on Army. Uh, I gave the three points, and I, I think Army uh, – uh, what takes the cup with them today, and I think this is a game that, that that Army wins. What's the score? Oh wow, uh, twenty-seven twenty-one. Very close to what my thoughts are. Go, uh, Rick. Uh, Army Navy. Uh, what are your, what are your thoughts? Who do you pick? And what's your score? Yeah, just like earlier, I was thinking, I think Navy's experience against some of the, uh, the tougher schedule, the elite programs they play throughout the year. I mean, like they, they play Notre Dame real tough. They do every year. But I think that experience against these uh, elite programs gets them uh, over the hump today. I mean, I know they lost last year, broke the 14-year streak. But I, I think Navy gets the win today. I will say 24-20. Ed, Army-Navy, what say you, sir? Well, I, you know, I was thinking Army until Rick brought up the whole experience thing, uh, you know, schedule-wise against, know. you know, no, Notre Damn Dame you, and Rick. Houston and, yeah, playing those <laughs> games. But, 
you know, I, 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 I like, I like Navy. I or, uh, rather, I, I'm not going to come off of Army, uh, even though Rick gave me some, uh, you know, reason to pause there and rethink it a little bit. But I, you know, I like the way Ahmad Bradshaw plays. I like the way he runs this offense, and uh, I don't think it's going to be as high scoring as, uh, you know, Mo and Rick think. I, it just maybe the weather might impact it, and both these teams like to run, and that shortens the clock. So I'm going to say Army's going to win this game more like 20 to uh, 17 maybe even 17 to 13, somewhere along those lines. Well, we'll see who, who is the, the closest. Five of the last six meetings have been decided by one score, and each of the, of the last two games have ended in a, a 21-17 final score with uh, Navy winning in 2015 and Army victorious at the end of uh, 2016. Everybody knows my thoughts, so go ahead and go Army. They, it's their year for the commander-in-chief uh, trophy. Uh, expect another one-possession game going down to the wire in Philadelphia. But, but, Army wins 21, I mean, Army wins 26-21 against the Navy. That is my thought. Take it to the bank. Cash it. Do what you have to do. But go, Army, and uh, we'll, we'll certainly uh, uh, monitor it along. I didn't write all this down, so we'll just uh, kind of know that I, at the end of the day, when the game is over, I'll put out on social media that I am right as as always. <laughs> All right, let's go around the horn. Uh, we got to put rabbit up and put a bow on it. Uh, Mo, where can people find your work and your masterpieces? What are you guys working on this week, sir? Well, I I've worked on a new uh, a new slogan for Pfizer for Viagra. If you saw the uh, story where the uh, people who live in the town where the Viagra <laughs> factory is, they've been getting contact uh, erections. So. Uh, my new my new slogan this week that I've worked on for uh, for Viagra is uh, get stiff with a whiff. As long as it don't last longer than six hours, I'm just saying. You know they always put that disclaimer in there. If it lasts longer than six hours, seek medical attention. I'm saying if it lasts for me longer than six hours, I'm in heaven. That's just what I'm saying. Rick. <laughs> what are you guys working on, buddy? Rick. Yep. Oh, I didn't hear you say my name. All right. Uh, it's at Rick underscore Rick on Twitter, and uh, it go help, help support your local veterans. Look at an AMVETS membership. You know, find out what you got to do. It's easy. Uh, Thirty bucks a year here in Indiana. Mo, I mean not Mo. Uh, I'm so sorry, Ed. Uh, where can people find your work and your masterpieces, sir? Uh, you can find me on the EaglesWire.usatoday.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter. Uh, where I usually tweet the the Eagles Wire stuff, my Twitter handle, at K-R-A-C-Z-E. And I'm just looking forward to today's uh, Army-Navy game. You know, I I love this game, and, you know, I'll be glued to my TV. And like Mo said, man, that pregame stuff is just – if you get a chance, tune in before the game. I think the game starts at 3, or maybe coverage begins at 3, but I would keep my my station on my TV tuned to that for the pregame stuff. It's just tremendous to watch. Oh, absolutely, and I have to admit it's a good thing that I'm a bachelor because I live by myself with my dog. And so, yes, it gives you goosebumps, and uh, no one will see a grown man cry. So I absolutely 100% agree with Mo. It is a a very special time. Uh, Salute everyone uh, in the military this week. Uh, Obviously, as as Ed, I mean, as Mo, we'll get it right. I sound like my mom naming all the kids. As Rick said, said, Get your get your AMVETS membership and su- support the veterans. My name is Tom Mark with South Presidente. I played it earlier on, our, our uh, segue into the um, Army-Navy segment, but I wanted to end the show with this, so I'm out of here. We'll see you guys next week right here on the Balanced Radio Network. We're out of here with some Army spirit, Army-Navy spirit. Uh, go Army. 
on the Ballast Radio Network. Remember, don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. See you next week. One has to ask oneself, what do you say to the leaders of the 21st century? To be a 21st century leader, you must have two things, competence and character. You're being taught every day here at this great institution how to do that. Out there among you, they're the cynics. They're the people that scoff at character. They're the people that scoff at hard work. And I can assure you, when the going gets tough, they will not be there. Where are the Pattons? Where are the Eisenhowers? Where are the Bradleys? Where are the MacArthurs? They're all gone. We don't have any out there. They were out there. And they are out there. And you will be out there. And if there's any doubt in anybody's mind, or was any doubt in anybody's mind, there sure as hell isn't any doubt now. The hell with the sinning. Believe it. Believe it, believe it, believe it, because you must believe it if you are going to be a leader of the 21st century. Jamie Fogo. I'm the commander of Naval Forces Europe and Africa. I'm here with Vice Admiral Chris Grady, the commander of Sixth Fleet. We're at our headquarters in Naples, Italy, on the pointy end of the spear, right here in the middle of the Mediterranean where all the action is. I'm going to let Fleet Master Chief Kemp tell you who these fine shipmates are standing behind us. Fleet? These warriors that we are gathered here with at this very moment, Understand exactly what their mission and role is in this fight, and that we're prepared and fit to fight. Very well, Fleet. We have a message for the United States Military Academy football team. Go Navy!
Atlantic game. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.